So um, how did you get with the Daz band? Did you have any uh, downtime in between, or you hopped right into that? No, it, it's, it's amazing. I, I tell you, man, I'm truly blessed. So we were over in England. We've been over there uh, eight months recording Heat Wave Current. And uh, I told Johnny this was going to be, you know, after this record, I was going to leave the group. And my wife calls and she says, honey, the guy on the line, his name is Skip Martin. Do you know him? I said, yeah, I know Skip. So I met Skip uh, not when Phase O were playing Akron. Uh, they were the Kinsman Daz then. And Skip was with that group. And then Satch tried to get Skip into the Ohio Players Band, too. Yeah. So uh, I get on the phone and Skip says, Keith, we're looking for another. Uh, the group is looking for another keyboard player, but I told him we can get uh two for the price of one. I said, because he can sing, too. <laughs> he said, are you interested? I said, yeah. So he says, can you can be in Cleveland for a couple of days? So I changed my ticket uh, to fly to Cleveland. I flew straight from England to Cleveland right in the studio wow. uh, when they were finishing up uh, the Keep It Live record and started working on uh, uh, on the one. Well, you're like a, a a star that's on the bench. Just kidding. I'm telling you, man. I got something to show you. Wow, beautiful. Yeah. So that's for um, Let It Whip, or, that's or for Let It Whip. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, I talk to most when I do talk to some of the guys. They don't have their Grammy anymore. I said, what happened, man? I, when I moved, I lost it. I don't know what. I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> so I cherish this thing, man. You know, uh, when I go out and speak and, and uh, you know, the kids bring around, you know, I mentor and do things of that nature. But when I got the call, so I flew straight from England to uh, uh, Cleveland, and we started recording on the one, and I got – some great video footage of in the studio, man, where we was acting. I had Jerry Curls. And mm -hmm. The whole group had Jerry Curls. and They were a real fun group, man. That's what I liked about them, you know. Uh, they, they, you know, they're serious musicians, but they made it fun. And uh, we had a lot of fun in Beachwood in the studio. Uh, they put me up in a hotel in Beachwood. Uh, that was some great stuff, you know. Uh, and I'm glad we caught him on footage because Reggie Andrews uh, was the producer. Uh, you no, know, him and, and Dougal Chandler are the ones he wrote that with. Yeah, I, I I was reminded in looking back at the credits recently. Yeah, that Dougal was on there because he had such a strong uh, you know jazz background. Yeah, and then he really was successful, you know, in funk and, and R&B, too. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. So yeah. being around them guys, man, you know, this is when, when the world opened up for me in the music industry because, work, you know, playing with the Daz Band for 10, 11 years, I met a lot of people in the industry, a lot of people. And was blown away that they knew me. 
that was the yeah. I remember you with Faye, the man riding out with my jam, you know. So uh, that was real cool, you know. Why, why do you, why do you think that uh, the Daz Band's sound was so successful? Man, because here you had it was like it was like a a singing group band. You know, you had three cats out front and the way we dressed, you know, uh, and the steps and the harmonies. The harmonies were so cool. Uh, and, and, and again, like I said, the musicianship you had, Steve Cox uh, on keys, who now plays with uh, uh, Garth Brooks' wife, and plays with Garth Brooks. And I'm on the other side of the stage, and you had Eric Fearman on guitar, Mike uh, Wiley on bass, Ike Wiley, his brother on drums, Kenny Pettis on percussions, and then Skip, Pierre, and Bobby out front, two trumpets and a sax. So it was a big sound, you know? And then you got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, singing all the time with all this energy going on on stage, you know? And what was really cool, the guys, they respected me, you know, uh, uh, when, when I came to rehearsals, I would commute back and forth from Dayton. So I would drive up on Sundays and be there all week. They put me up in the hotel in Beachwood. And then come home after rehearsals on Friday and go back up on Sunday, same thing. But I would come up in sweatsuits and gym shoes, and I would come to rehearsal, and they'd come to rehearsal like leather pants, <laughs> cowboy boots. <laughs> like, I thought we was going to rehearse. We are. <laughs> so I had to get kind of used to that Cleveland thing, you know what I'm saying? Because I'm a country boy, you know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, they driving in Benzos, and I'm coming up in a little 240Z. <laughs> sounds like you were comfortable though i was comfortable i was very comfortable yeah. and uh uh you know there was a couple of clashes too because uh you know one guy was co-writing a lot and then all of a sudden the co-writing shifted because you know i had a lot of stuff that i wrote and submitted uh to group two so uh that was, you know, it, it was great. I mean, it was so much fun in that band, I'm telling you. It, it, everybody was just silly. <laughs> but when it came time to perform, man, did we perform. Yeah, well, I think it, it definitely came out in the music, the sense of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my, I Probably if I had to pick one, my personal favorite, I think, is Let It All Blow. I mean, that groove, you know, when it hits those breaks and does that little percolating thing, we, here, here's here's the cool thing about that is, uh, I decided okay I'm gonna buy a, a keyboard, a drum machine, and a four track recorder, and in my hotel room, I'm just gonna start recording. So, me and Steve Cox were roommates. So, on the drum machine, I said. I wonder how a funk groove would sound with a with an Indian beat. He said, "What are you talking about?" So I programmed a, and then I started, 
and you got that beat. Doom, 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 doom. And Steve said, man, I like that. I like that. You know, then added, added the chord. Doom, dun, dun, doom, dun, dun, dun. And uh, so Bobby right away knew. He said, something, something good about this. So he kind of forced his way in on the lyrics. You know, and I was like, man, what is what is the song let it all blow what does that mean you never could explain it <laughs> well you know it's like when when you just uh you just let it all blow because <laughs> i was trying to make it like a parliament funkadelic group uh, you know, with that kind of hook yeah and, you know we talking evo evo but the groove itself it is a good groove the group that actually that's the biggest selling song under let it whip well Did you know that that's justified as far as i'm concerned in the 12 inch version was really cool too oh whoo marlon mclean was in the group then yeah from pleasure yeah yeah he laid some mean guitar on that yeah because well, it knows when it goes to the change that's like a parliament group you know so and the 12 inch you get those spread out grooves and you really get the right. bottom you know that's when we were using the emulators and you know to get to break another glass and those, that stuff that was in there yeah it's cool so keith what would you say is one or two of your most unforgettable memories like out on the road with the the jazz band wow you would have to ask that question of course wow man so many of them uh one of one of the one of the best memories is with Fazo. We're planning opening up for the Ohio players in Brownsville, Texas. We were playing Red Hot Mama, and the guitar player was taking a solo. And a girl up front stood up, took her bra off, and threw it up on stage. And the guitar player hung the bra on his guitar and start playing with his teeth. Crowd went crazy. <laughs> then a guy jumped up on stage on a crutch and started hopping around. <laughs> that was one. The other, uh, with Heat Wave, is when we opened up a cameo in Pittsburgh. We were killing it. And they pulled the light, they turned the lights on on us. Because we were, we, were, we were killing it so tough. Um, cameo had them turn the lights on. That was a, a memorable one. Uh, I, I've heard other stories similar related to cameo like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the others was uh, with the Daz Band. While the Daz Band was a, it was a lot of man uh, overseas and in the states. I, I, you know, it's just so many with them because I was besides Phase though I was with them the longest, but with them on a bigger platform than the Phase though because. We were opening up for cooling the game, uh, you know. Learned a lot from from what their 
perspective was in live performances. Uh, we, you know, touring to France, and just all over, man, all over the, you know, all over the world. That was, that's one of the biggest things too, being able to tour all over the world. Japan, oh man, we, we stayed in Japan, uh, played at this place called the Emsa Club. It didn't look like a club, it was like a stadium club. You know, that's how huge it was. And we packed that place uh, every every night that we played. So uh, those are those are memorable moments. Uh, there's some memorable moments in the studio. Um, I'm actually working on a, um, a memoir, which is gonna be entitled Riding High, My Journey with Fazo, Heat Wave, and the Daz Band by Keith Harrison. Right. And I'll talk about all of these things that you're asking because I'll 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 be better prepared and, and have have more time to think about because I have someone like yourself asking me the questions and new things about the group that will bring it out of me. Yeah. But with the Daz Band, it's just so much. It's it's hard to to tell you. Uh, what was good it was just it was just good <laughs> let, let me ask you this keith was there anyone um that you really admired in the industry um during your playing days you know that was maybe another uh, keyboard player or a composer that you were just like kind of in awe of working with jeff lorber jeff lorber's one uh going to the studio uh meeting george dukes and jeffrey osborne uh, watching them work on it, uh, some music. Uh, of course, Rod Temperton, uh, meeting Quincy Jones, and uh, um, uh, after the the Daz Band and those groups, you know, I went out and played with Morris Day in the time. That was interesting, uh, being able to meet Prince, and when we we played. Uh, at Boulder Station in uh, Vegas, and Prince came out and jammed with us. How did how did you connect with Morris Day at the time? Uh, I'm at home. I get a call, and a guy's on the phone. It was their manager. He says, "This is so and so, and I'm the manager of the most magnificent band." Blah 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 blah. Uh, and we're looking for a keyboard player. Are you interested? And I said, man, who is this? <laughs> and then I heard him say, Jelly Bean, he don't believe me. So I knew Jelly Bean. So Jelly Bean, Bean gets on the phone. Chop, chop, this is Bean. I said, Bean, is this really? He said, yeah, man. I said, what's going on? He said, look, man, we, we need another keyboard player. And I told him about, you were recommended to us. He said, you down? I said, yeah. I said, well, when will I have time to rehearse? He said, you professional, aren't you? <laughs> And I kind of paused and I said, yeah, hell yeah. He says, well, I'm going to put you back on the phone with the manager. So the manager said, we playing in Indianapolis. We want you to come to Indianapolis and watch the show from backstage and then get on the bus and go and head to the next gig. Because the keyboard player they had filling in at the time uh, played with Frankie Belly and Mays. Mm -hmm. Frankie was going back out. And he was going back out with Frankie Beverly and Mays. About what year was it? Uh, this was in 95. 
And uh, so I, I played with them 95, 96 uh, for two years. Uh, and uh, then some bad things happened where I said, I can't do this no more. And uh, then I went back out with them in 2015 uh, to do the Soul Train Cruise. And that's the last time I, I did anything with uh, more staying the time. Um, um, I also uh, did uh, did some dates with uh, the group Low Key out of uh, Kansas. You know, they had to be here. I got a thing for you, baby. Did mm -hmm. my life. Da, 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 da. So that that was cool with them. Uh, and of course, I did some dates with Ohio players. Uh, and uh, so I've had, you know, I've had a great, I, I played on the song Cutie Pie that Dayton made in the studio, which was a big hit for them. Um, I've been around the block, man. <laughs> I've done a, a Sprite uh, jingle for the Soul Train Awards, uh, Coca-Cola. Uh, here in Dayton, the Dayton Air Show in the 80s, I wrote all the background music. Uh, when they televised it on, on channel uh, seven here. And uh, sometimes, you, you know, you'd be sitting down and you'd be, you'd be thinking about things and wow, I did that and then you didn't remember, you know. So uh, and here I am today, man. It's wonderful. I had my bout with prostate cancer and mm -hmm. had surgery in 2015. And you're all clear now? I said I ain't done with you. No, I'm, I I had to take eight weeks of radiation uh, the next year, and now I'm on a Lupron shot every six months. I got to take for two years, but I'm good. What would you say, Keith, was the most challenging music you ever had to play out of all of that? What was sort of the most you know music musically challenging for you? The most challenging for me was with uh, the time band because uh, you. You know, I had, even though in the dad's band I played uh, three boards, but the music was, was different. Uh, uh, band, you know, you had to play uh, double bass lines, string lines, and horn parts, and sing, and, and do certain types of steps, too. So, uh, for me, that was the most hardest. Uh, with that group as more was morris a, a character off stage or was he like oh, away yeah. from the morris stage? always in character yeah always in character <laughs> he's a funny guy <laughs> i laugh at him you know because uh i always looked at myself as like the grandfather uh when i would get called out with these groups you know i'm 65 years old <laughs> so and, you know these guys were still young and uh just to see how they acted and stuff like that was kind of funny to me, you know. What would you say, Keith, is the, um, um, well, first, before I ask you that, let's talk about the Blaze record. So we mentioned at the outset, One Love, what took you so long and uh, what, what are you, how far back do some of these tracks go and uh, why are you excited about it? 
Well, for years, my wife has been asking me to do a solo CD. And I kept telling her, I said, baby, it's not as easy as you think. I said, because when you played in bands, the uh, majority of your career, uh, it's like a team. You depend on one another. When you step out on your own, it's just you. And uh, the, it came about when my, my father was uh, was on his uh, deathbed, and uh, I got diagnosed with with uh, prostate cancer. And my spirit came to me and said, "The time is now." And, and so, what do you mean, the time is now? So, time is now for you to do your solo CD. Now I'm thinking I'm about to clock out, so I said, "I gotta get busy." And songs just, I, I got with my, my longtime co-writing partner, Sanford Whitlock. And songs just started popping. And I said, well, Lord, what did you get you wanted to do? He says, whatever your heart and soul desires. And I said, well, R&B soul is what's in me. So I'm going to do an R&B soul CD about one-on-one -on -one relationships, about love. And, uh, put a little bit of flavor of all the groups that I played with into uh, the sound of uh, One Love, the title track. You hear sounds a little like Heat Wave. Uh, uh, come to my dance, it's like Bezo Dance Band, uh, Cardiac, uh, another one. Uh, that uh, line dance song, um, Saturday Night Love. I wrote that about my wife. Um, there's only one song uh, that was written in 1995 that we were trying to submit to Ronald Isley. Mm -hmm. We never got it to him. I said, well, I'm going to put it on my CD. And that's the one called Lonely For Your Love. They don't even play ballads that slow anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew it would touch the women. And uh, so when, when I would, people would come over and I would preview it, it's like, wow, who is that? They didn't believe it was me singing because I always sung backgrounds and standout vocals on uh, you know, in the groups that I played with. So... Uh, the time was, it, it felt good. And, and I'm excited because I'm doing me for once. You know, before you would write what the group was about, but now I can write what Keith is about. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, I have the um, press materials here. And um, what is the now sound then that, that you have on here? I, the now sound is it's like a, a mixture of old, old school, new school, the now sound. You know, it's like Charlie Wilson, I would say, is a now sound. He's still got the Charlie Wilson, but he's got some new school uh, sounds in it, you know? So I didn't quite go all the way with, with the new sounds like that, but they are sounds that I think uh, people would like. Did you get a chance to listen to any of it? I did. It was very, very good. Um, I would say that, you know, um, 
come to an, uh, with, with with an open mind. Don't be expecting, you know, like a funk throwdown based on some right. other stuff. It's um, got, you know, a couple of uh, more up-tempo danceable tracks, right. but the rest of it is either sort of mid to uh, ballad territory, yeah. but, you know, smooth, uh, sensual, you know, just kind of the nice kind of thing to put on the evening and get your groove on. Well, my next CD is, is going to be an all-funk CD, and uh, the title of that one is going to be called Smell the Funk. <laughs> so it'll be a nose with a finger like this, <laughs> and it is going to be fun. Well, I hope we're not going to have to wait uh, 30 or 40 years for that one. Oh, no, no. I'm on a roll now. I'm on a roll. I'm, I'm actually writing some of this stuff now. Uh, I'm on a roll. Uh, I got to get all this stuff. I got so much in me now. It, it feels like weights have been lifted off my shoulders because I feel free that I can do me now. And it's acceptable. You know, another reason it took so long, Rod Templin had told me, uh, when I was with Heatwave, that I didn't have a voice for radio. And that messed with me mentally. And, and the reason it messed with me mentally because I respected how great of a person he was because of the songs that he wrote for people, you know. And uh, I had that mental block for a long time. Yeah, but you know what? I mean, look at what happened with your dad. You know, you proved him wrong, right? So Yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. And unfortunately, my dad passed before uh, I completed my, my CD. Uh, but, you know, I got on, on the back of the CD. It's in memory of him. Uh, I dedicate that CD to him. Well, congratulations again. I wish you all the best luck with it. And I really look forward to the next one, too. Thank you. Thank you. Now, so speaking of, of Funk Keith, what do you think it is about it that gets into people's DNA like it did with me uh, when I was, you know, a kid? Um, what is it about it that endures and what is it about that makes it so special? What does it mean to you? It's, you know, it's, it's, it's the rhythm and the beats of funk and, and it just touches the soul. You know, you can't help but bob your head or pat your foot when you hear some funk funk music. Well, you know, we can go all the way back to James Brown, you know. Uh, look look how, how many rappers sampled his stuff. So we have constantly been hearing funk subliminally, whether it's in other people's music or in, in music that that we all as, as artists and groups have done. Uh, what it means to me, it, it means that here you have uh, a feel that's uh, likable around the world. And you were gifted with this feel that people enjoy to hear. So it's like when I go to play my keyboards, it's not like I'm thinking about what I want to play. It's like my hands just do it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm always rolling tape anytime I'm, I'm putting an idea down. You know, uh, I got one called The Funky Swim. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a funky swim song. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, for me, I, I think for people, it's just a feel 
that touches the soul that they can. I mean, did you get to check out the the uh, American Music Awards? I missed it, but I did. I I well, haven't heard great things. The thing that was really weird wasn't one black artist on the the whole night. So I I kind of suspect as much. Yeah, <laughs> but you had these. The the funk has crossed over, right? And and so that's saying something about that's you know that sound, that feel because now the the pop artists are trying to imitate it. You know, and people say, well, well, what what distinguishes pop from R and B? Well, pop is just means that you're popular, and at and through the years you just had more white artists who were more popular than the black artists, you know? And I think that's because music wasn't being played in places it could be played. Uh, but I think it's shifted now it, and it's made a big shift. Uh, Bruno Mars, look at Bruno Mars, man. Great job. And he, even in this story, he's telling you, I've, I studied James Brown, the Princess, the Michael Jacksons, you know what I'm saying? I listened to, and uh, the Roger Trotmans. I mean, when Roger came with the talk box over that, that funky groove, oh man, that just, now look at all the talk box stuff that's out there. But Peter Frampton and all them were doing the talk box way before. Joe, Joe Walsh, yeah. Joe Walsh, yeah. You know, so, but it, it just wasn't uh, prevalent as it, was in a funk over a funk group, you know. Uh, matter of fact, that's what we laying on the track that me and uh, Steve Shockman's working on this evening is a talk box. <laughs> you know, so he wants a talk box in this song. So, uh, have, have you heard Have you heard Bootsy's new album? Yes, yes. There's a song in there called Pusher Man. It's got a killer yeah. talk box in it. Yeah, yeah. So you know, even though. Uh, then the critics are going to say, well, you know, uh, the talk box has been around and this is kind of, they they don't understand it's a part of the sound uh, for music, you know, that's that has been incorporated. And it's going to be around a long time. I mean, it's like, uh, I think autotune got wore out. I, I was just going to say, I prefer a talk box to the autotune. Right. And people prefer a talk box sound than an auto-tune sound, because auto-tune sounds too much robotic, mm -hmm. where a, a talk box doesn't. Uh, yeah. And, um, you know, I just, funk music is just, it's, whew, man, it's, it's just in you. It's just in you, whether you, you, you know, I grew up on James Brown and Sly and the Family Stone. Those are those my, my heroes of music for me growing up. Even the uh, the uh, um, what was those brothers' name? They had a song called "Wake Up a Little Susie." Uh, oh, Everly Brothers. The Everly Brothers. I like them. You know, to me, they had a little, they had a funk kind of thing to them on some of their songs. Oh, you can find funk in so many places. Yeah, you know, and I think it's just the label we've used to call this music, Keith. If um, if I was a, a keyboard player, whether I'm just kind of learning or maybe I've been playing a while, but if I came to you and I said, you know, what are some of the 
characteristics or um, approach you need to take to be able to play keyboards in a funky way. Hmm. I, I think it just has to be in you because so many people are trying to emulate it and can't. Uh, to teach it would be hard because it's a certain feel. It's, sometimes it's not right on the beat. It's kind of off the beat, yeah. on back beat. Uh, and funk is laid back, you know, on the beat, uh, then right on the beat. So, uh, and I don't think it's so much the chord that makes the difference is how it's played. So I could I could lay a groove down probably in fifteen minutes with all the parts, drums, keyboards, bass, and a, a melody part. That's that's how how perfected I've gotten at it, you know. Cause it just comes in my head, boom. You know the light bulb goes on. Keys I need a track. Can get can give me a track in twenty four hours. You got it. What are you looking for? Kind of like a, a Teddy Riley, blah blah, so and so. Boom. So then, is is the hardest part to it writing good lyrics? Yeah. I I I I um. I pat myself on the back that I can come up with good tracks and good hook, great hooks. Um, and then I'm kind of done. All right, you put the verses to it. And here's here's the melody I'm hearing for the verse. You know, me is track and hooks. Tracks and hooks. So, you know, the show is called Truth and Rhythm, and we're seeking rhythmic truth uh, through this program. What to you when you're making music speaks to you as being the truth, finding the, the essence and the music and the truth of it. The truth in music for me is that, you know, me and Steve got in this discussion last night. I said, why do people fight uh, uh, playing uh, with sequence music and, and live music. I said, top groups like Earth, Wind, and Fire have been doing it for years. Uh, it just, it just does, it's not, it's not real, man. And he said, it's not the truth. I said, why not? You're still playing. You're just playing along with the production you added to your music. You just, all you did was, what, you, what you're doing is taking what you do in the studio, to make stuff fat, live. And you're using it with technology. So what's the difference? It's still you. So the truth to me is as long as it's, is as long as it's you and you're doing it, whether it's from a sequence or or live or together, it's you. And to me, that that's that's telling the truth about what you do. Now, if you're sitting up there and mimicking things, uh, or uh, you're faking it, uh, that's not so much, you know, uh, the truth 
of the music that you do, you know? So putting your soul and heart into something, whether it be electronically or non-electronically, I, I think that's, that's what's, what is true, you know? How do you feel about sampling? Sampling, I think people who sample are just as great too because I could never take something and sample it and make it into a song. I mean, you have to be, you know, those those people who can take bits and pieces of songs, I mean, bits and pieces of other people's songs and make them into one song, they have to have some kind of genius to them. Because I tried and it's hard to do for me. Mm. That's only because I'm a realist musician, you know, and they are are people who can't play but have an ear that can put tracks together of other people's songs to make it into a song. Yeah, it's funny how that works, you know, that Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. Um is there any you mentioned Bruno Mars. Is there anyone else out today that you kind of like that you think are is on to something? Oh wow. Um, Bruno kind of the one that sticks out the most that came out the box. I admire Taylor Swift. I've actually studied uh, Taylor to see how she's worked with social media. You know what what Taylor did. Here's a young lady who played uh, had a guitar and did a YouTube video saying country and western, and lyrically it touched certain audience. A guy from the record, from a record label, I think it was at BM, BMG, uh, saw her, took her under his wing, and it's kind of turned her into a, a star, but she kind of turned herself into a star, because which, what she did was she answered all the tweets. Her fans tweeted her. And she invited fans to her house. A lot of artists, when they blow up, they don't want to be bothered with you when they're on their own time. But she invited them. So what she what she did, she kind of came into people's it's, it's sort of like when Kenny G came on the, on the scene. He touched all the housewives. Remember that? <laughs> Yeah, the housewives were the ones that said, I love his music because while they home cleaning up, they listened to some Kenny G. <laughs> and he blew up behind it. So Taylor Swift has, has done it from a social media uh, way. And you got to be, you know, uh, for me as an old school guy, uh, I'm not going to I don't sit around and tweet all day. Or that's something I'm, my daughters have been teaching me to learn. Dad, you got to do it. You got to you got to put stuff out there. You got to stay connected. And I'm still used to kind of the old school way, you know, where you have people working for you. Mm -hmm. But now, when artists do it, it, it makes it more personable because with the technology, they can go on Facebook or message or tweet or Instagram yeah. or uh, direct. Yeah, it's direct. It's direct. So I'm getting there. Yeah. 
You can do it. I know. Faith. <laughs> um, so in, uh, you're uh, involved at some level in the uh, Funk Center and Funk Museum, is that right? Or yeah, I sit on the advisory board and uh, the Funk Center, uh, I don't know when the grand opening is going to be, but it's downtown Dayton now. Uh, and uh, once it opens up, uh, we're going to try to have a uh, computer room where I'll be teaching uh, music and computers using technology, uh, teaching kids how to use music software. Those are one of the classes I, I, I would do in the summer at summer camps and stuff like that. Well, that's a very cool cause, and, and I'm looking forward to that opening soon. Yes, yes. I've donated some some real good phase stuff, you know, my belt, my clavinet, my RMI. Some of those uh, big Suit. collar top. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Keith, do you, as we look back and we're, we're going to close this out, what what are you most proud about and do you have any regrets? And is there anything left yet still to go on your bucket list? Oh, wow. I'm most proud that I'm able to still do music and hopefully uh, be able to touch people's hearts and souls through my music. Uh, the regret I have is staying in Dayton. <laughs> but uh, for certain circumstances, you know, uh, my wife got sick and uh, I stayed here and took care of my family. That's one reason I came off the road too um, in uh, 92 is when I came off. And, uh, but as I look back on it, I kind of don't regret it because Dayton has done so much good for me. Uh, I got inducted into uh, the Walk of Fame here where they give you a paver in a historical district of your work in the sidewalk. And I look at that and that's like, man, that's a legend. That'll always be there. I'll be dead and gone. My grandkids, they'll grow up and they'll be dead and gone. And that will always be there. So I made my my, my mark and, and left my, my print here in Dayton, which is good, which is good. Well, yeah. I've I've never been. I hope to one day, and 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 when I do, I'll definitely look out for that. And and when you come to Dayton, you can stay here at my house. You're welcome, and eat some good food, and uh, you know, we'll take care of you. Wow, that's a uh, that's quite an offer. I appreciate that. Yes, yes. So Keith, we we were talking about the whole Taylor Swift thing. So how can everyone keep up with you nowadays and, and keep up with everything Keith uh, Harrison and the new record and all that good stuff? Well, everybody can keep up with me. They can go to my website, www.dkharrison.com. Uh, that's one way. Uh, look for my tweets. They can go uh, on all the digital download outlets. I'll be doing some tour touring next year in 2018. Uh, I'll be doing some radio spots. Uh, hopefully, uh, uh, my music will start being played on radio. Uh, 
one of the songs that I'm pushing is Cardiac, uh, which is starting to pick up because people are creating uh, line dances off that song. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, and through social media, uh, they can go to my Facebook page, hit me up, and I'll uh, become friends with them. Uh, they can Instagram me, uh, and uh, I'll just keep pumping and pushing uh, information out there as much as I can to the best that I can with the money I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little caveat, right? <laughs> I got. I gotta tell you though, Keith, the, the new website looks great. It's really, really well done. Thank you. It, we're still developing it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. And All you right. really like it. You really like the music. Hell yeah, <laughs> of course. I mean, it's a, it's you know you know when you hear a pro. Uh, first of all, you know. Oh wow, wow. Thank you. Yeah. Honor. Yeah. So yeah. thanks for sharing it. And uh, again, wish you all the luck with it. And okay. look forward to the funk coming. All right. The funk will be coming next. Smell the funk. <laughs> like like uh, in the car that day with Faso. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you saw that. <laughs> riding, on, riding back from uh, Atlanta. There you go. Riding, high, riding down the highway. <laughs> All right. Well, hang, hang tight. I'm going to close this out, but uh, okay. stay put. All right. Um, so... Time to wrap up this edition of Truth and Rhythm. A huge thanks to my special guest, Keith Chop Chop Harrison, a key data in Ohio functioner who helped spread the music far and wide. Thanks again so much, Keith, for, for sharing all those experiences and, and your history and, and, and everything. My pleasure. Much thank appreciated. You. All right. A sincere thank you to listeners. Uh, as always, thanks for keeping the faith and keeping the funk. Be sure to look out for upcoming Truth and Rhythm episodes and catch up with old installments at funkasif.net on YouTube, iTunes, and other leading providers. Want to hear from you? Drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, who else you might like to see on the show. And so with that, until next time, on behalf of Mr. Keith Harrison, this is Scott Dr. Jake Skolfine, as always, saying keep on vibrating to the rhythm of the one. One love.